0: What if we just start the podcast like that? Like, I need a gay person.
1: I need a gay person.
0: What if we just, just, that's how we're going. That's the vibe. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Pages Unknown, the podcast dedicated to all things bookish and nerdy. My name is Zachariah, and I will be joined today by a fabulous co-host, friend, and former guest of the pod, Sammy, aka Books, Dogs, and Coffee on TikTok. Say hi, Sammy. Hi, Sammy.
1: (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Y'all, as a reminder, new episodes of Pages Unknown air every Wednesday. Please follow the podcast on Apple, Spotify, and TikTok to get notified for new episodes.
0: If you're joining us for the first time, hey, hi, hello, for our episode today, we're talking all about Imogen Obviously, the newest novel by Becky Albertalli. You might recognize that name as the person who wrote Simon vs. the Homo Sapien Agenda, which was then later adapted into the film Love, Simon. Imogen obviously tackles bisexuality, what the phrase queer community really means, and addresses the phenomenon of compulsory heterosexuality. (laughs) I know this probably sounds pretty heavy and like kind of like a lot today, but the book handles it delicately and. This book was so much fun. Um, yes. I listened to the audiobook at the same time as reading it, and the narrator did such a good job. So I'm going to read a quick plot description to get us going here. Imogen Scott may be hopelessly heterosexual, but she's got the world's greatest ally title locked down. She's never missed a Pride Alliance meeting. She knows more about queer media discourse than her very queer little sister. And she even has two queer best friends. There's Gretchen and Lily. Lily is newly out and thriving with a cool new squad of queer college friends. I remember those days when I had many friends and I was in college. (laughs) Imogen is (laughs) thrilled for Lily. Any ally would be. And now that she's finally visiting Lily on campus, she's bringing her ally a game. Any support Lily needs, Imogen's all in. Even if that means bending the truth just a little. Like when Lily drops a tiny queer bombshell, she's told all her college friends that Imogen and Lily used to date. And none of them know that Imogen is a raging hetero, not even Lily's best friend, Tessa. Of course, as all things, the more time Imogen spends with chaotic, freckle-faced Tessa, the more she starts to wonder if her truth was ever all that straight. It's phenomenal.
1: First of all, when they said freckle-faced, the first thing I, I'm about to say my age here, like, 50 long seconds, is coming <laughs> into your world, the freckle-faced redhead girl. And I'm like, this is why I can't have nice things.
0: The energy that you're bringing to this episode is absolutely amazing everything. Uh. Well, I mean, listen, share with us some of your like initial thoughts of this, because I think you've read this more than once, right? Like you've had you got an arc of this.
1: I had an arc of it. Um, I did read it. I read it in my sick haze. So I listened to the audiobook. And Mm. then I re skimmed it because I also got to meet Becky through the bookshop that I work at. She came for an event, which was phenomenal watching her speak about everything that she's gone through, which we will talk more later. Um, My initial reactions were like, this is a book that's extremely needed. It goes through so much of what I think so many teenagers, adults, preteens, what have you, are going through in real life. Mm-hmm. Like you don't realize how compulsive heterosexuality really impacts you until you're starting to unpack your homosexuality. Yeah. As we like to say, everyone's a little gay. <laughs> <laughs> just just sell it all. One wrist or two. It One depends. wrist or two, or you or you <laughs> bend and snap, and then that's when you're full.
0: I'm going to give you my initial reaction, but the first thing I think I want to say is you said there's no right way to be, like, queer. I disagree. I think that there is a right way, and that way is not voting for Republicans, and I okay. will leave it there.
1: My favorite saying is, like, when you see someone from our community <laughs> Voting Republican right now, especially... Okay, sorry, we're getting a little political for a hot second. Um, Right now, in today's climate, mm-hmm. it's like when you see a dog going, dogs for chocolate. <laughs> like, let's vote for something that's going to kill us. Yay. It's just...
0: It's, the cognitive dissonance of it all, really. Yeah.
1: And again, the, I, I think that goes also hand in mm-hmm. hand with compulsive heterosexuality. Compu- oh, like, yeah. A lot of people are raised in these communities where this small town or with their families or what have you, mm-hmm. that this is the only way they know about voting. So we'll probably get into this a little more, but so many people grow up, especially when they go to college and realize there's more. Like That's when a lot of people who previously were very conservative become very liberal. And I think that book also yeah. kind of shows this a little bit.
0: It absolutely does. The marketplace of ideas. It's not indoctrinating your children. It's just showing them that there are many different ways <laughs> to be a human being.
1: <laughs> that the indoctrining thing just frustrates the hell out of me. Because it's not like, no, we as one of the mothers say, we were born this way. Mm-hmm, we're not feeding us media that shows men and women kissing does not make us straight I watched so much heteromedia as a kid and now I, I and not now not now I have always been so gay and everyone else around me knew it and mm-hmm. I came out to a lot of my friends when I came out I don't want to say later in life but I came out when I was 22 23 years old yeah. and my friends were all like oh honey we know and I'm like Why didn't you tell me? And they're like, it's it's not something you tell someone,
0: Sam. You know what's funny, though, that you're talking about coming out kind of later in life? Because now I think 22 would be like, oh, you did come out a little bit later because we have fostered such like a safe environment for these like next generation of queer kids. They feel so much more comfortable coming out sooner. But like when you and I were in high school, junior high, people were just like, gay is still used as like a derogatory thing. but actively i think back then it was like uppercase g we found him get him you know it was real bad not great
1: (laughs) and i think J.R. dawson the author of debut novel the first bright thing also a queer jewish novel um also becky arvotelli is is queer and jewish so we see them um they -hmm. were talking about how millennials and a little bit of gen x are that role model for Gen Z and Gen Alpha right now because Mm -hmm. we did not have our generation before us. The AIDS epidemic either wiped out a lot of our elders or Mm -hmm. many of them were still in the closet and we just didn't have that. And I think all of them having us helps a lot. Like these two generations Mm -hmm. are like, people are like, oh my God, why are they more gayer than ever? It's because they have their elders. They have a safer space. They feel more comfortable coming out because that because it's becoming more accepted even though like mm-hmm. it's one step forward two steps back absolutely. a lot of the time we're we're getting there
0: we absolutely are getting there and i'm so glad that you mentioned this and we're gonna absolutely get back to the book but this all ties directly yes. in to what the book talks about but, but yeah believe us everything we're talking about this is what we thought about immediately after finishing the book because uh, i was texting sammy about it <laughs> but you're talking about the previous generation not having like a roadmap themselves and also us not really having that generation exactly. i just talked to juno da- right here juno dawson about other mother <laughs> other mother juno was like i had nothing they're like i had to stumble fumble like be in various very dangerous situations Mm -hmm. and i'm so glad that all of that has already happened and now gen z and gen alpha are going to be able to just be their full selves and i think these people in in imogen obviously they are squarely i think gen z like in the book they're like 18 19 20 like right in that age range yeah so this is immediately gen z you can also tell at times this is Gen Z written by a millennial and mm-hmm. i don't think that's bad nothing's wrong no. with it it's just very cute i think it's almost like putting them on a little bit of a pedestal at sometimes which is fine
1: <laughs> i mean i i love it because becky is a mother and yes. she has two awesome kids so i think like you mm-hmm. know she sees it through their eyes and so she kind of takes their experiences and works like, you know, what's going on. But also, it's like, I'm also taking my experiences through college and what I went through.
0: Does that sum up? Does that sum up all of your big thoughts here?
1: (laughs) Big thoughts. We got the big thoughts out of the way. Let's kind of get into the book here.
0: Absolutely. So I'm just gonna—we're just gonna talk about the four characters. I don't want to go any further than that because I want y'all to read the book and like the characters as much we'll as throw I have it at here. You
1: and read yeah,
0: book. absolutely. You got the main character Imogen, very sweet, very innocent, wants to be supportive to a T. Like they—they want to be capital A ally. They want to get an like a hundred percent. Like they want to get an A in allyship.
1: It is a college course, <laughs> and we are getting—we're getting hundred and one percent. We're doing the extra credit. <laughs>
0: Imogen's getting a five on the AP exam. <laughs> it is going to be great. <laughs> exactly. Then you have Lily, her best friend, basically sister since childhood, who, has, who is now out and is a year ahead of her scholastically. So is now in college, uh, 30 minutes away. And it's the same school that Imogen is going to be attending next year. So Lily's been inviting Imogen to come kind of visit. And right at the beginning of this book that's when the first visit kind of happens. Next, you have Gretchen, who is Imogen's other best friend. And I don't want to call Gretchen a downer, but it's the friend of yours that if you make a mistake, they make sure that you know it. Like if you got one comma out of place, that person's going to point it out multiple times.
1: Toxic friendship. I am so sorry. It is toxic, but I
0: think At the heart of Gretchen, I think that they truly do care about Imogen and their other friends, but Gretchen is very, maybe me first a little. Self-centered is a good way to say it. Also, they're very young and like naive. Yeah. So I'm kind of trying to give them some grace. I think Gretchen is younger than Imogen too, I believe. I
1: think it's so hard. Like I love the YA genre. It's one of my Mm -hmm. favorite genres to go back to, but especially reading high school YA, like I'm not talking about fantasy reading high school, YA is so hard because you sit there because you've been through it. And you're also like, oh my God, sweetie, honey, just, just grow up. And you're like, you can't, you're a teenager. Like being a teenager is hard. I understand, but stop it. And you like, want to like throttle them. You're like, no, 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 no. This is not how you do this confrontation shit. Let's talk through our feelings. Don't be passive aggressive.
0: Absolutely. And I think our last character that I want to talk about is your freckly eyed um, friend,
1: Pippi Longstocking. Okay, first here. of all, she does not look like Pippi Longstockings. Like, no. if you see the cover of the book, she, in, in her description in the book, not Pippi Longstocking. Tessa is no. not Pippi Longstockings. It's just the freckle face.
0: Kind of a little bit of that like ADHD, a little bit manic energy, but in a way that's like fun.
1: All of our Ata brains, like we, we thrive in chaos. It's, it's chaotic.
0: It is. But those are our four kind of
1: characters that we're
0: talking about. Tessa does go to college with Lily. This group of friends that Imogen has, as, as I described earlier, is very queer, very open, very kind. But also we're under the impression that Imogen and Lily are exes uh, and that uh, Imogen is bisexual. Yes. And so that kind of talks about Some kind of goes into some of the big themes that I've got written on our show notes here. So this book did bring up a couple of like huge themes, right? Big Mm -hmm. things that we as a community continue to talk about basically all the time. Mm -hmm. The first kind of big one I think I want to talk about, and this book tackles it really well, is coming out, right? There's a lot of discourse coming out talking about when and whether or not someone needs to and who is allowed to come out to other people. It's really weird how this story is kind of set up about that. Mm-hmm. But this story also kind of mirrors Becky Albertalli's own story. Albertalli does a great job of dancing around, being like, yes. this is how I felt, but I always just assumed that this was inside of my head, me cosplaying for attention, because sometimes that does happen, right? It's- A lot of question marks are laid in front of Imogen and Becky, obviously, since they're mirroring each other. Mm -hmm. This book did a very good job of addressing people's own internal, like, biphobia, queer phobia. I'm not quite sure which label to put on it because they're very different, I think, in general. Biphobia is very specifically has its own set of struggles versus the general queer experience.
1: And that kind of goes into it, into one thing is that once you come out, you don't stop coming out. Like, if someone meets you and mm-hmm. sees you and doesn't know that you are in the LGBTQ community, <laughs> you end up having to come out to them again yeah. and again and again to family members, to friends, to coworkers, to bosses, in any situation where someone might not know and mm-hmm. they're like, are you a little, <laughs> um you end up continually coming out throughout your entire life. And it's just... It's tiring. It's extremely tiring. That's where assuming that hetero is the default sucks. Uh, hopefully yeah. at one point in our lives, it might not be in our lifetime, but hopefully sometime in the human history span of time, we'll get to a point where you just love a human being or you just are a yeah. human being. It doesn't matter what your gender identity is, your sexual your sexual mm-hmm. identity is. Like, it doesn't matter. You just, you're yourself. And, it, and it's not a point to announce these things unless you- actively want to
0: yeah 100 i do think that imogen through this has, has kind of flipped that being like i don't i don't think i need to come out i think i'm just the same person mm-hmm. and that's like a big thing whether or not imogen is bisexual imogen's like why do i need to throw my own parade right now i'm trying just to figure out who i am i'm about exactly. to graduate high school i'm going into college i don't know what's going on no. but i know that i love all of you and that I want to be here in community in some way with you.
1: Exactly. And I think so many people have those feelings where, like I said, there's no right. I mean, other than the non-voting Republican, um, no right <laughs> way to be gay. It's like some people are so loud and proud about it. Like mm-hmm. you and me. Um, yeah. We're very, we are very out and loud and proud and we ve- aren't scared to be ourselves. But other people are just like, you know what? I just kind of want to be me and live my life. And that is thousand percent valid, which is kind of what imaging does. And she's like, I got to live my life right now. I can't also, you know, have all of this too. like, it's Mm -hmm. it's a balancing act for her. And that's what I love seeing her confront in this.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Do you ever feel since we're talking about being this is a this is tangentially related. But (laughs) I I think maybe you and I have the same kind of thing where we are loud and we are like a big presence in rooms, especially when, as it relates to pride, right? We're like, we're the ones in the room who are like, no, I'm gay and I'm, you know, doing all of these things. There's a lot of like social Work that is done by people who have these kind of large personalities in these spaces because we're forcing space to be made for other people that are maybe quieter. Do you ever kind of feel like that sometimes where you walk into a room?
1: Yes, all the time. I've always been a very loud person since I was able to talk. I have been loud. I've also been a very friendly person. I would apparently go up to people in the supermarket and go, hi, my name's Sammy. What's your name? This is my mom. And I wouldn't stop talking. I have always been a talker and very mm-hmm. friendly to people. And that has either done very well for me in life or bitten me right in the ass. Take your <laughs> You've
0: pick. never met a stranger, as they say.
1: <laughs> no. I. Some of my best friends are my best friends because I would not leave them alone.
0: Oh, absolutely save. Do you think I'd have the man I have if I was not persistent and loud? And
1: <laughs> Yeah, right? So it's it's worth it, but yeah. it also takes a toll on your mental health sometimes.
0: Yeah. I always um, feel like I had to take on a lot of the role. I used to run the pride Mm -hmm. where I'm from. I used to run it for the, for the County and it's, it's difficult to like be the, and I took the role on, but I'm like, I like doing this. But at the end of the day, you're like, damn, like I didn't realize how much of myself I'm trying to pour into this movement because there's something to be said for doing work organizing work versus doing like work that is social and like yes. being like present and seen so mm-hmm. anyway speaking of being present and being seen what a great transition into bisexuality as like an entire topic i have on my notes here
1: bisexuality a valid <laughs> sexuality everyone this is a sexuality no if ands or buts A
0: lot of people see this as the halfway point to the journey to gay, and that pisses me off so much. They're like, "Ooh!" So their entire identity gets erased. Mm -hmm. So bi erasure is obviously super real. The way that it's talked about in here, people are incredulous that this person could even be considering that they are bisexual. It's like, "Well, have you not felt anything your entire life?" To which Imogen says, "Dude, I don't know." What is it supposed to feel like?
1: I'm going through puberty. I'm going through other things. Like sometimes, like your Mm -hmm. sexuality, your gender identity takes a back burner to everything else going in your life. Like some people are so worried about. As I'm watching the pink, like as I've watched the pink lady, some people are so worried about surviving high school. Absolutely. That they can't worry about anything else that's going on.
0: It's like the big pick a side. Whose side are you on? Are you, why can't we all be on the same side for like one freaking day?
1: <laughs> and I think that kind of goes to back to community. Our oh, own sure. community itself. I mean, I'm going to slide away from imaging for a second.
0: We're already off the rails. It's fine.
1: Right. We, we're, <laughs> we, we are two people who have ADHD. Um, this is a chaotic podcast. Welcome. Hi. Hello. How are you?
0: Michaela's going to love this.
1: <laughs> <laughs> our community is even fighting within itself right now. Some people mm-hmm. in our, LGBT community are not supporting trans rights, believe in bi erasure, like it's absolutely disgusting. And, you know, you look at everything that's happened throughout history, because it's not taught like, in Mm -hmm. Berlin, again, I'm gonna go back to the first bright thing Um, there were book burnings to erase the gay community's history. And so Mm -hmm. much of that was lost during the book burnings in Nazi Germany. So much of our history constantly, like we'll build it up and then someone's like, fuck you, I hate you. It's Then it's lost. Forever, period. Exactly. And we have to build up every few years, you know, all of that. Like many people don't know that the L is the first letter in the LGBTQIA plus community because the lesbians were on the front line for the gay community during the AIDS epidemic so many people don't know that so many people don't know our own history and we're a community like everyone in here it doesn't matter what gender you identify as genders you identify as what sexuality Mm -hmm. you identify as you are a part of the community end of story and we support you i love you (laughs) i love you too
0: but you're but you're 100% right. I wasn't a thing many people that listening probably don't know is that at one point in my life I worked so much in politics. I was an organizer and I did it all throughout the country. And the attitude a lot of people had was we're almost to marriage. We can deal with like trans inclusive healthcare. We can deal with like non-discrimination laws later. And I said, y'all, I think we need to be doing both. We mm-hmm. we're building the roadmap." And the second we got marriage, you, you probably know this, so many donations to the human rights campaign, everything dried up because a lot of these like cisgendered, like gay men got what they wanted and they're out. And, and I'm like, come on, y'all. We got so many people who are dying. Like y'all, were, were able to get married and it's huge. But the fact that we are leaving other people behind when they were fighting for us mm-hmm. pisses me off beyond reason. Trans people are the people who started this whole ass thing and you want to sit there and act like you don't owe them anything. They made it possible for you. Ah, come on. Yep.
1: Anyways, back to Imogene, obviously. <laughs> well,
0: it's very funny because Imogene obviously kind of leads us to this larger kind of big theme that i think this book is trying to drive home which is this conversation about compulsory heterosexuality it's called imaging obviously because well obviously i'm straight
1: that's the, i think this this is yeah. one of the fa- my favorite things that was discussed mm-hmm. at the book conversation with becky it was like is yes. it imaging obviously imaging obviously like how is it supposed to be like it's because oh. it's the comma. it's like you were, like, she, I don't know if she planned it this way or what, but, like, it's, it's so cute. It's like, Imogene, obviously? Like, it just kind of <laughs> leaves it open, and it's so cute.
0: You're right. I don't know how it's pronounced. I've been doing it Imogen, obviously. And, like, it's, well, like, very casual, but kind of up at the end.
1: I kind of think that goes hand in hand with kind of what we were saying before. Mm-hmm. I think it's Imogene, obviously. Like, obviously, Mm -hmm. that's you. This is you. This has always been you. Obviously, like, obviously, that's my perception of it. And I think I love it. it, It's it's a beautiful way to that I perceived it personally. I think everyone Mm -hmm. else is going to perceive it differently. Yeah, for what they get out of this book. It goes hand in hand with this is who you are. Exactly.
0: I'm going to read the description. Like, I mean, the definition, excuse me. I, I, I hate doing this, but sometimes I feel like we have the, we have the responsibility we
1: to
0: <laughs> say some of these like phrases out loud and exactly as they're defined. Yes. Compulsory heterosexuality, often shortened to comphet, C-O-M-P-H-E-T, is the theory that heterosexuality is assumed and enforced upon people by a patriarchal and heteronormative society. The term was popularized by Adrienne Rich in her 1980 essay titled Compulsory Heterosexuality and Lesbian Existence. Y'all should go check out that essay. Essentially, it's saying, as we said earlier, heterosexual and cisgendered are the assumed default and norm for everybody. And so when you start assuming that, you start erasing people, people that are in this kind of like experiencing it. As You you probably have experienced it at some point. I know that I have. I thought I was supposed to. I was like, Mm -hmm. I think I'm just a little silly, goofy mood today. Instead of, you know, wanting to go with this person, I thought her brother was cute, but I guess I'll take her on a date. It felt like that a lot where I was like, well, this is what I'm supposed to do, right? Obviously, I'm not gay. I've never looked at a man (laughs) like that. (gasps) Obviously.
1: (laughs) There we go. More obviously puns. I feel like the first
0: time that I ever, like, ever was like, oh, my God, maybe I'm gay was like... <clears throat> the second I graduated high school, I was like, "Actually, all those times I kissed that person, absolutely, I was into it." <gasps> People were like, "No shit, what you were? You were in theater, marching band, choir, sir. What did you think was happening?"
1: It literally, the oh, honey, we know. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, I said, "I wish somebody had told me," and they're like. <clears throat>
1: We were waiting for you. We were trying to be nice. It's the whole, like, my parents were like, we pretty much knew from birth. I'm like, like, my parents put me in a dress when I was two months old. I was screaming. And they took me out of the dress and I stopped. Listen, you already knew. They fucking knew. knew? They knew I was going to be a masked lesbian here. Let's go. (laughs) This butched little lay dollar bean over here. Come on.
0: Lay, dollar... Be- oh, my God. That's how you have... I didn't get it. <laughs> oh, my God. That's what the... Re- I'm getting so many references from the book just now because of that. I...
1: Oh, Mere shattered.
0: <laughs> I-, <laughs> I literally didn't realize until just... What the... Okay. <clears throat> we're going to come talk about that later because I didn't realize what they were talking about <laughs>
1: in the book.
0: With my- oh, my god. I'm Lord. so glad that
1: I can help you understand. But that's the thing also, too. There's so many... I I think that Becky did a great job um, introducing Mm -hmm. in the book and using words and phrases from the queer community that even, like, you didn't know. I didn't know. There are some things that I had to look up. Um, And um, queer icons were mentioned in here. Mm -hmm. Elsa herself. Um, Elsa herself. Elsa is a lesbian. No one can tell me differently.
0: I actually think that Anna is, like bisexual icon yeah I, bisexual icon but so is kristoff so i was
1: gonna say so is kristoff and <laughs> so that's that the freaking
0: snowman anyway i'm not talking about that
1: uh, uh, olaf is gay <laughs> oh you think olaf is so queer i was um, always just giving like
0: big weird queer energy <laughs> bqe <laughs> you're correct though Becky does a great job of putting these references in for people to look at. Also, kind of Easter eggs for people in the community that are reading this book. This book is intended, it's a young adult book, right? Yes. Everybody in it is aged appropriate, whatever. However, yes. I think this book, Becky wrote it, I think, YA style, but for adults maybe to pick up, to be like, oh yeah, like this is how totally. I, this is my experience. This was my life.
1: Parque no los dos.
0: Yeah. Why not both? Why not both? <laughs> I think this kind of gets us, we have a couple of more bullet points on my weird notes that I made for us, but we've kind of touched on the queer community. I think the only thing I really want to say about it is in this book, it really does talk about the gatekeepers, these these folks that think that they uh, maybe have to make others prove that they deserve to be there yeah. or that they're not the invalidation That happens in so many different parts of this book by people who are
1: questioning. The Q is for questioning, everyone. It is not queer. It is for questioning.
0: I always say two Qs on mine, uh, LGBTQQIAA+, and it's like such a long thing. So I just kind of say queer for everything. Yeah. Yeah. Because if you're questioning something about yourself, that automatically puts you into the realm of not straight TM. You know what I mean? Yeah, it puts you on the spectrum. Somewhere exactly, exactly. And there are people out here who are gatekeeping shit. So the c- community is so important. But I think that when those of us who have been around for a while, we sometimes get protective of spaces as we should. But we need to understand that sometimes people need to go into a space to figure out if they are supposed to be there or want to be there.
1: Exactly. It's extremely different when, you know, a bachelor at party comes into a gay bar. And mm-hmm. you're trying to protect that space versus if someone is questioning their sexuality, comes to a bar and with their friends mm-hmm. and is like, this seems like a safe space for me. I'm enjoying the community. I am even as just an ally, like y'all yeah. need to be kinder because right now we need more allies. I think my favorite saying right now mm-hmm. is you don't have to understand us, but you have to respect us. And I th- exactly think that goes for so many people because there are things that i don't understand but i respect the hell out of every living being on this planet
0: yeah kindness is such a rarity a a lot of it's (laughs) ridiculous i do want to say one thing you said we need more allies we do however there are a lot of people that are using the word ally when what they really mean is i'm i'm fine with gay people and they just kind of like slink back into the shadows, but they're like, I don't hate you or anything. That's a low bar. I'm yeah. kind of done with allies. I think I want accomplices.
1: I want, get- no, we don't want allies. We want getaway car drivers. That is the we new term. Getaway car-
0: yeah. We want getaway car driver accomplices who are gonna go rob the bank with us and then yeah. be like, the officer, they're innocent. I actually I did, did this.
1: I committed Ally. the murder. talk
0: Valentina. <laughs> Jesus Christ. We, I
1: love us. Talking about chronically online here to people who are chronically online.
0: Our our listeners right now are just like, is this not a book
1: podcast? (laughs) This is a, a book podcast that is also chronically on TikTok and way too much online.
0: There's a couple of last things I just want us to hit on very briefly before we close. So we've talked a lot about the things that we liked and loved about the book. Was there anything about the book that you wanted to dive into or that maybe struck a weird chord with you or that you maybe would have changed. And if not, honestly, not that I
1: can remember. Like I said, um, I listened to the majority of this book in a very sick haze. And then I skimmed over it. It nothing, nothing really stood out to me. The only, the only part that I didn't like had a problem with was the character of Gretchen. But I think that's extremely realistic. Yes. With what happens in college and how your friendships grow and change while you are growing mm-hmm. and changing. And that's yeah. part of what I, I had a love hate. Again, but I want to throttle teenagers.
0: I don't think I would change a lot. This book is rather inoffensive. If I was to change anything at all, I think I would have made the book a touch longer. I think I would have like I would have liked to have had like a two-month later skip ahead for like a little inkling to what book two might be about. You know what I mean? Because where you go from pages. here is precarious. I know. I mean, listen, I think I wanted like another like another 15 to 30 pages, just kind of like in, an epilogue of some, in some way. Mm-hmm. I don't think that I would have changed anything about the story itself. This is my critique with a lot of books is that I want there to be more and I understand writers can only put out so much at one time, and I don't want to be mean to any author, yeah. except listen, Rebecca Thorne, if you're listening to the podcast right now, I need part two of the book out immediately. This gilded <laughs> it the best sequel. I need it now. Thank
1: listen. you.
0: <clears throat> I love giving Rebecca homework. She's going to kill me. Uh, last the first episode we did, we were we were just like, Rebecca, if you don't give me the second part immediately, I'm going to lose my mind. Anyway. <laughs> I always want more. And it's not that I'm not satisfied. I just always am like, I want additional things to sink my teeth into. Like mm-hmm. Park Stopper, we kept getting more and more and more and more and more, you know, like yeah. these different things. I just want I just want more. I like the world you've created here, Becky. <laughs> I,
1: I it's mean, cute. The, and it's simple. The Love Simon world is so expanded. And she can absolutely mm-hmm. do that. With Imogene's world, which is really great, and I think that's actually one of the things that I love is she's creating a lot of these. Like I think this is the next step. Like I I think she's kind of closed up Simon's world. If she wanted, she could go back to it, but I think now is Imogene's world. Mm -hmm. This is her next thing, and I love it. It's her next adventure.
0: With that, Sammy, thank you so much for joining us today. I. I have, I always love whenever you're on with us, we always get into these really great conversations about the community. And I do think that Imogen obviously has a great place in queer literature moving forward. It's going to be, it's going to help a lot of folks as they navigate themselves. Absolutely. Sammy, thank you so much for being on the episode again. We'll catch you next week. Talk to y'all soon. Goodbye now.